Good evening and welcome to Best of Five, your weekly FGC talk show. Efren is not here today, so you're stuck with just me, John, and Steve. And this week we've got a couple of topics. We're talking about whether or not we should be paying our entire wallets for MK, whether or not there should be gameplay and gameplay trailers, and whether or not Rick Fox should still be part of Echo Fox. As always, I'm joined here by John Ace King Offsuit. Or no, sorry, John no, Velociraptor Guerrero and Steve Ace King Offsuit Jurek. As you can tell, Efren is much better at introing these two than I am. I I, I feel like there is a joke here about us two being, you know, the people of color. Obviously, Guerrero. <laughs> and, I'm wearing my Sonic colors today. Oh, really? Yeah. Really? <laughs> twinsies. We got twinsies in the middle. Yeah, absolutely. And, of course, Efren has been replaced by Sonic the Hedgehog, played by that thing in the new Sonic movie. <laughs> um, yeah, I, can we just refer to can we just refer to him as that thing? No mm-hmm. longer Sonic, just that, that thing. trail. Are we going to talk about the trailer in full later? Is that going to be like I, a full topic? I think I think Sonic is a Smash character, so Jim Carrey's in Smash, and we can talk about it. Okay, okay. But before we talk about that, we should do what we always do and get into a recap. We could probably do that. Uh, busy weekend, few few events took place. Uh, kicking things off with the Street Fighter League week two of that, and it was another good week for Punk. His uh, Inferno team got the three one win over Team Storm to go to two and zero. And not only that, but the other two teams who won in week one lost in week two. So Punk's team now stands alone, undefeated. IDOM's team at the bottom at 0-2. Everyone else 1-1. But still, only two weeks in the books. We've got eight to go. Plenty of time uh, to make moves this, up and down. Do we, this is a 10-week process? Yes. Oh, my God. And then, Damn. And then we get the playoffs. Has there been any tracking of who's been banned? I've been kind yeah, of I don't have it all. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, go ahead. You've got well, I don't have it all in front of me, so I can get that all in front of me for a second. But, I mean, it changes every time they play, right? So, um, yeah. it's usually the captain. So, like, when right. Punk's team is up, you're going to ban Karen, right? Just because well, you're going to do that. Um, His subs are pretty good, though. So, I always wonder yeah. if that's the – yeah. Yeah. Um, this weekend, there was a – I would uh, ban JB's Rashid for sure. Yeah. There was a charity tournament uh, – out in California that benefited Goodwill that Punk was a part of. And he won without picking Karen once. Yeah. He picked three different uh, secondaries. And he beat three different Rashids. Mm-hmm. So, so, so for example, uh, Inferno played, uh, who was it, Storm. So you got Idom and, and Punk. They banned Laura and Karen. Uh, Frost played against Gale. And they, they banned Ibuki and Colleen. Frost, of course, nephews, the leader of that. And I assume the Ibuki pick was for Shine. Um, Spirit versus Psycho, they banned M. Bison and Karen. So, uh, and I think it's because in Spirit, Justin Wong has been playing Karen more than Minot, so they banned her. And then, of course, M. Bison for, um, um, what's his name? Uh, Toy. Toy. So, yeah, it looks like most of the time people are just aiming at the uh, at the the captains because they're, you know, the, the most proven of, of everyone that's playing so far. Although, hey, just a kid. He's your friend, isn't he? Donka? I don't know him personally. Oh, okay. I thought you had. I believe he plays in Chicago, where I'm originally oh, okay. from. So, but he was, he was but a young boy when I was still living there. So, don't know him personally. 
Anyways, the the whole thing though has been fun to watch. I've caught the first two episodes. There have been three now because I was traveling for uh, for Northwest Majors and such um, last Thursday. But it's been really fun to watch. And and like uh, you know, you kind of put it in this esports box where you want to have competitive Street Fighter. You want to have the names that you you know recognize and such. Your Punks, your Justin Wongs, your Knuckle Dudes. But then you also want to have that element of like surprise and and you know randomization a little bit. And the bands sort of take care of that between the action, uh, the hype pop offs. Like we talked about toys last week, I think. And just like the general flow of things, it's fairly high stakes with a you know thirty grand on the line for first place. It's coming out to be a pretty entertaining event, and I I you know tip my hat, give credit where it's due to to Capcom and Street Fighter and such. Like this is pretty good so far. Yeah, I've only caught clips so far, but the clips I've seen have been very entertaining. I should probably tune in to like a full episode or two and see what's been going on. I'd yeah. be, I would love to like coach one of these teams or like see that kind of go on or like have other people coach them, et cetera. I think it'd be fun. It, it, it's fun too. Cause they have mics set up. So like sometimes between like games or, or, or such, you'll, it'll just cut to the team huddled around their, their monitor and they're just kind of chatting. Sometimes they're, they're talking because they know they're on camera and sometimes they actually have something to say. So that's kind of funny by itself, but yeah, that, there's, there's actually that aspect of it built right in. Yeah, I think I think the interaction between players is something that we talk about as like one of our favorite parts of the FGC, and we don't really see a lot at the top level, especially with a lot of language barriers. So I think mm-hmm. this has been a good idea for that reason so far, for sure. I'm, yeah, assu- I'm assuming there's more recap for sure. There's a little bit more. Uh, let's kick it over to Naptown Clutch. This was a big Midwest tournament this weekend. Uh, good weekend for James Jr. pulling off the double in King of Fighters. 13 and 14 uh tweety getting the win in mortal Kombat 11 one of the first tournaments uh for that game young art activated uh arturo getting the win in street fighter 5 uh and then also shout outs to azure for winning tekken 7 uh but let's go over to singapore for versus masters uh this was a ranking event on the capcom pro tour and it was a good weekend for Bonchan. He gets the win over Sien to pick up his first CPT win in two years. Now, think wow. back. Yeah, it's been a while. And, and and it was, you know, you wouldn't think you wouldn't have thought it would be a two year gap because of how good he was in that month. He won three events in three consecutive weekends. And, and you were thinking, OK. He is on a roll. He is going to continue to roll throughout the rest of the season. He's the guy to beat. And then he, ju- he ju- it just didn't come together for him the rest of the year. Uh, 2018 wasn't fantastic for him. He still had some good results. But, um, but yeah, back to winning ways. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I'm noticing uh, Nemo getting third here. And so I looked up really quickly what characters he used because we're seeing, as I'm sure we'll get to, G has been rising through the ranks rapidly. And I think even Daigo said he's considering, he's, he's practicing with G's, testing him out. And um, 
And you'd think, well, Nemo's been using G since he came out, or at least started to, and just didn't see much in the way of success. And you think someone like Nemo, who plays, you know, the Marvel or the Versus games, and how high-flying and all over the place G tends to be, that controlled chaos, it seemed like the perfect character for Nemo. And yet, he wasn't able to make things work with him. He's He played um, Urian and then some Colleen in this tournament, no G. Got third, which is great, but I'm very surprised to see that Nemo isn't using this character, especially now that we're seeing other people emerge using him and, and getting pretty damn good results with him. So you're saying he's he's got to get down with the hood, G? <laughs> sure, exactly that. I think that song has been stuck in my head all day. Yeah, me too. It, it, and I'm so glad. Such a classic. A lot of the stuff that's so strong with G, I think, wasn't as obvious as it originally, like appeared to be i remember a lot of japanese players seeing strider do some of like the whiff cancels into command grabs in the corner mm-hmm. that are like completely unseeable and that was when people changed their minds from oh this character is like an okay gimmick character to like oh he might actually be quite good and so i think with that tech coming out and becoming public knowledge yeah you're seeing a lot of people start to go back because if you're just playing regular g without doing insane v trigger one stuff he's really not crazy at all but once you factor in the fact that V-Trigger 1 makes him absolutely able to kill you in two hits off of unseeable mix-ups once every single round, then you're like, yeah, he might be pretty good. So it, it yeah. took a little to figure him out. But I agree, it's a little weird because Urian's kind of the same way, and, and Nemo seemed to be the one who really made that all put together. So yeah, we'll see. It takes, it, it's one of those characters where it takes dedication to make it work, but there is such a big pot of gold at the end if you can do it. Uh, but speaking about players who hadn't won in a while, uh, let's kick it over to Northwest Majors, where for the second week in a row, we have 801 Strider getting the win. Last week was an online event. This week, it's an offline event, taking it over Knuckledew in the grand final. Um, again, Strider, he won once in 2017 and then nothing since. So it's like you have Strider and Bonchan winning in the same weekend. It's like, what year is this? It's the um, year of G, baby. That's what year it is. It, 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 he is he is the president of the world. Uh, you see Smug making top eight. Ricky Ortiz uh, also making top 16. And she made top 16 uh, after surviving a very tough challenge from uh, our very own John Velociraptor Guerrero. And we actually have, I don't know if we can play it, we have a clip from there. And oh, I, you I would were love... so close to that stun. Oh, there is the stun. And, and, and I would love to. <laughs> oh no! What what was the strategy there? What was because because you're playing five D chess here. I, I I just I just need you to catch me up. Oh, that hot dog's been on the head for a long time. You got to knock that. Out. Okay. Well, I knocked I knocked the weenie off of Ricky's head. Don't worry. Okay. Um. I uh, so that that whiff command grab was to build up meter, and because that's the most meter you can build on whiff when single move, and then just into another command grab. There's definitely time for it. Uh, also, thank you to Kagero eighty six. I love how opportune the timing of that subscription was. It was like yes. I see John whiff command grab during a stun, and I subscribe. 
Yeah. Well, first and foremost, I did it so that we can get that subscription. But second of all, it was just, um, I don't know, just messed up the timing. It happens every once in a while, especially when you're up there on uh, on stream and especially when it's all you have to do to win the rounds. And uh, <laughs> it can now go horribly wrong for you. Luckily, I was yeah, able to pick it up afterwards. It but yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if I can relate because I have never lost on stream ever. Uh, Not all of us can be so lucky. Never. It never happened. Never, I swear I saw you happened. play on a stream once. No, no, that didn't happen. Okay. That did not happen. It Fair didn't enough. exist. What was it? Did Kami play Akuma or did he play in a call? Akuma. Akuma, okay. Yep. yep. Whole time, I think. I don't think he's. I haven't, I haven't seen him play an Akali in a long ass time. Probably since about well, whenever Haitani uh, changed. I felt like that's when the mass um, uh, Nikali exodus happens. Yeah. And now it's just up to snuff, Sherry, and myself. I you think know, Machibo I'll... still plays him, right? No, and there's a handful. There's like Machibo and uh, maybe that's it. Maybe there's four. <laughs> outside of, you know, we're giving you a hard time for this, but outside of just how you played, what was your Northwest Majors experience like? I got to say this. So I went to Seattle first and foremost to visit one of my best friends. Um, so I went in on Thursday night, played in his kickball team, got to meet some of his friends that he has out there, and then went to Northwest Majors on Saturday, just about an hour before I was supposed to play to get a little warm-up in, played my matches, and then once I was out, I left. So it wasn't a traditional experience like when you go to a major. Now, while I was there, they were home drunkenly making signs. None of them have been to a fighting game event before. I'm like, guys, you're, you're, this is just pools play. There's just going to be a bunch of sweaty dudes collected, and you're not going to have much room. It's not as extravagant as you're making this out to be. They were getting ready to go to like a WWE event, but they had all these signs um, relating to me. So they had like a clever girl, and I don't remember them all, but my favorite one was, you're okay at this. <laughs> and, <laughs> because I was trying to church it down a little bit, right? Because he had hyped me up. He's like, John's the Street Fighter player. He's like, I played Street Fighter 4 and did okay at that. This game, I, 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 I play sometimes, but I'm here to visit you guys. Anyways, um, I lost to Amigo 1 in pools um, initially, it was like my second game, and he just wiped. He, he beat me four rounds in a row on the stream. It was bad. That was before they got there, though. And then I played my way through losers and wound up playing Amigo One to get out of pools again in losers on stream. And uh, and they were all there behind me, cheering me on and waving <laughs> the signs. And I ended up making the adjustment and beating him. And that was probably the highlight of my trip out to Seattle, all in all. So that was a wonderfully fun time, uh, <laughs> just because I was. You know, they're experiencing FGC major action with a bunch of people that had no idea what was going on. So the fusion of two worlds. But um, it was it was a lot of fun. And, and the game works there was really cool. I spent some time just playing around there the day before. And uh, and yeah, it was a it was a fun major. I didn't have any gripes with it um, being there on the floor. I don't know. I didn't hear anything negative about it uh, from, you know, just the general social media public FGC and whatnot. But the Northwest major is pretty good so far. My only issue with it from a viewer perspective was. It was on the West Coast, which means it was late as hell. Mm -hmm. And because I am an old man now, um, I, I I could not make it. I I, I got to Tech and I got to winners or uh, losers finals, and I had to tap out. I and I'm disappointed because you know I really enjoyed uh, watching what sh what I did of Shadow. This is a guy who's gonna be really really good and who is really really good already. And he's only going to get better. Um, but yeah, it's it was a fun event to watch. Uh, speaking of 
that Tekken tournament. We should probably mention that. Uh, Anakin, once again, getting the win, uh, beating Jimmy J. Tran. So that this is the second tournament in a row where those two have been at, uh, played each other, and Anakin has gotten the better of it. So it's great to see that rivalry continue to develop develop uh like i said shadow 20z uh great weekend for him finishing third uh ebm getting top four cuddlecore you see uh in top eight along with run it black and speed kicks uh good weekend of tekken overall there uh and another one is coming uh this is ah excuse me uh we've got a busy weekend coming up here uh kicking off on tomorrow with the kickoff of the E-League Mortal Kombat 11 showdown. Uh, this was, if you remember, before launch during the be- the uh, beta, they had this competition where they'd have several players come on, several streamers, uh, play online and try to get the most wins. And this is going to be follow that same format, so it's going to be uh, cool to check out. Uh, also this weekend, you've got obviously round three of the street fighter league. You've got KVO, uh, which is happening in Japan. It is part of the arc Revo world tour. Also pretty big event, uh, in DOA. It's going to be one of the events of the DOA world tour. That's going to be on multiple Japanese channels, but the mainstream will have an English channel on Anime Illuminati. And then you have Head Stomper this weekend, which is part of Arc Revo, as well as CPT and the Tekken World Tour. Uh, That's going to be on Koma FGC and Koma FGC 2. So plenty of action to check out. Uh, One thing to note, KVO, it's a Japanese event, so it starts Wednesday night in the U.S. It is a four-day event. Yes, we got a four-day event with KVO, and then we have a three-day event with Head Stomper. And that kind of leads into a discussion that's been going on all week. I saw it first, I believe, from Viscant. I saw Brian F. chime in as well. I bandwagon to tweet. Um, A lot of people are talking about whether it's necessary for every event to be a three-day event. And that has been the trend at this point, including not just – it used to be – we had, you know, super premiere events like Evo and CEO and – Final round were three days, and then a lot of smaller events were one or two days. But that's really kind of gone by the wayside if you have any sort of world tour presence. And so the question is, do we need that? And I don't know if you want to chime in, either of you. Well, here's the problem with events. You know, obviously not every event has to be that three-day extravaganza. But everyone, it, it feels like at least everyone wants to be that sort of event right no one comes in thinking all right like most tos i should say they don't come in thinking okay i've got this great idea for an event i want to build it up to the level that naptown clutch is at right now and just stay there and that that's not a uh meant as disrespect to naptown clutch or any other regional event but most of these people who run events they want to become the next combo breaker they want to become the next ceo They want their event to be an event that everyone around the FGC takes note of. So you so you always want to get bigger. You always want to be part of these uh, pro tours, these circuits. You want to have those big things. And part of that is being a three day event. So while it's 
not great for every event, great for the scene that every event is trying to do that. Every any event that wants to, uh, you know, get bigger is aiming for that. So, do, do you, if you're a TO, do you want to sacrifice your dreams for the benefit of the community? That's what it feels I like. Would, yeah, I would have to be a TO with my schedule and my list of games and all the logistics kind of laid out in front of me before I would make a real, like, full force call on that. But as a competitor that has traveled to, you know, my fair share of, of majors, having a two day as opposed to a three is often way better because it means, you know, as far as taking work off and um, you know, like there, there's been so many times where I've, you know, you either flip the coin and say, well, do I fly out on Thursday or do I fly out on Friday? Cause if I have a Saturday pool, that's a whole other day of work that I can work. And you know, it just, it's 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 a lot easier for the schedule you know you don't have to set as many days aside so i mean sure when you're a professional that kind of a thing isn't going to matter to you because this is what you do but there are very few of those compared to how many people actually attend these events and have uh day jobs and such hey thanks to just a kid for hosting us by the way and um and so like i, I think that the more we can do just two-day events way better you know it's the weekend it's when people actually have time off and you still got to worry about traveling two other days besides that so um when it becomes so big and you have that, you know, like I said earlier, just you have all the stats out in front of you and you go, there is no way we could efficiently run all of these games um, in this time and give them ample stream time and all that, that everything that goes into that equation, then yeah, absolutely grow it. But I do not think that we should be taking the point of view of we start as a three day event and then maybe downsize to a two. I think everyone should try their best to be a two day event sans those like you know, Combo Breaker, Evo, uh, CEO, those really big ones. Like, you know, if, if maybe if you're a premier, I completely understand three days. But if you can do two days, man, do two days. 100%. I'm, that's almost exactly the suggestion I had, which is basically that, like, the, the pressure to become a three-day event has caused this. But I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Do we need to cut games? Do we need to cut stream time? What do we need to cut? It becomes a little difficult to choose. I think there's... I think the thing that becomes a lot of pressure and the thing that people try to strive for is this big Sunday finals day. And I think it's a bit mm. misshot. Like I don't think that's what every game needs or even wants. And I don't think it adds a ton of hype to your game. If you had a 40 man bracket to play two matches on Saturday and then wake up and play your top eight at, you know, 10 AM on Sunday. I think it would probably be hyper if you played on Saturday night, and I think it'd be better for everyone there, and they'd have time to play casuals on Sunday. I know a lot of our top Street Fighter players talk all the time about how they'd love to play you know, games on Sunday while watching the finals on the stage at bigger tournaments. Tons of stuff like that. And mm -hmm. I think the tournaments need to be a little bit more about making it easier for the players and less about conforming to some sort of rule to become popular, as Steve mentioned that that has become the three-day event and i think i can only think of in america at least i've only been to fighting game tournaments in the u.s i can only think of four or five events that merit it at all let alone the amount we have personally mm -hmm. but but the question is though if you're if you are one of those events that that decide okay we'll we'll close street fighter out on saturday you know, we'll we'll only have Tekken on set 
on Saturday, we'll run it all the, all, all the way through. Now you're potentially losing viewers for Sunday because now instead of getting people who want to watch top action from several different games, you're only getting a few games that are watching on Sunday. And that hurts your num- that could potentially hurt your numbers, uh, which hurts your prestige. It hurts your ability to get sponsors. Uh, it it hurts the perception of the tournament. And, you know, with so many tournaments out there, if, if you're not seen as a big deal, people are going to go to another event. That's the fact of the matter. So it's sort of like in order for the scene to get better, a whole bunch of these events have to fall on the proverbial sword. They have to sacrifice, you know, their own dreams and their own financial success in order to do it. And I don't know what tournaments are going to want to do that. I don't, I don't know if it works that way though. I, I mean, I feel like if you cut some of these earlier games and you ran top 48 of street fighter or Tekken, you'd probably get more viewers. That's my personal view. The smash tournaments have been doing that forever. They run like the smaller events and they have them done on Saturday. And then they run like two, three, sometimes four streams, all of smash ultimate or all of smash melee on Sunday. And you just have like infinite numbers of like, great matches to watch all the time. And I, I, think, I, I, I think I love it. And I think it's worked well for them viewership wise. So I don't know if it's 100% like a lose viewers. If you, if you cut some games on a Sunday thing, I think it's a little different for the smash scene because you look at the difference of popularity between those games. Like if we're talking about games that end on Saturday at a smash event, we're talking about like, rivals of aether we're talking about other smaller uh platform fighters where the popularity is here versus popularity up here for melee and ultimate and those sort of things so yeah a top 48 of that is far more valuable than perhaps a top eight of rivals but if you're talking about cutting out tekken or blaze blue tag or guilty gear something like that where the popularity is a lot closer I, I do think it's detrimental to viewership, at, at least in terms of pulling p- pure numbers in. Yeah, it, it becomes a tough deal because I think some people don't want to have a bunch of streams at once or don't have a bunch of streamers to do a bunch of streams at once on Sunday, so it's tough. I I do think most people would agree that if you can if you can consolidate Friday, Saturday to Saturday, you should, but I know it's not that easy necessarily. So... As I'll say as a competitor, I've never once had any hesitation at the thought that because uh, I'm playing Street Fighter, which is usually the last game, right? Um, I'm never worried about it not being the last game in meaning like if they were to bump it back, like say they said Street Fighter is playing out Saturday night. I go, oh, that's totally fine. Now, that's just me as a competitor wanting to have uh, an easier you know, schedule or be able to predict my schedule for the rest of the weekend better. Um, and like sometimes, especially after like MK drops, uh, I think in when MKX or Injustice or whatever, a new game drops and it becomes the last game and Street Fighter's out early, most of the reactions are, oh man, it's really nice being done <laughs> this early. We can go do something. We can go have dinner or something like that. So that doesn't answer all the questions you guys just brought up, but I will say from my point of view, and so I'm sure from a decent you know, amount of the population, it's not really a thing. And that's coming from the game that's usually on top of the mountain as far as like the last slot, the biggest, you know, most revered spot on the stream schedule. The one thing, I sh- I, go ahead. The one thing I thought about was that I, I do think 
when you look at some of these three-day ranking events, sometimes in, in Europe or something like that, or or somewhere in the U.S., kind of directly following a big premiere, you'll see they have really low numbers, and the numbers that are there for these ranking events are like super top pro players. And mm -hmm. I don't think that's just because they're the only ones who care about going. It's because they're the only ones who are going to take Friday off to go to a, a ranking event in a separate country. And so I think it's kind of what's created these weird, complete death bracket, 50-man ranking events. And I, I think if you made some of those Saturday, Sunday, they would go up in attendance and not down. And I say that par partially from personal experience where there are, are tournaments I would have attended this year if they were Saturday, Sunday, and did not because they were Friday as well. So, Well, and we had that example with Northwest Majors, right? That was just a Saturday, Sunday event. And, I mean, it seemed like it was just fine. They had a winner's and a loser's stream going on simultaneously for top 24 of Street Fighter on Sunday, whatever that amounts to. Yeah, and I think part of the reason you're seeing those death brackets is because there's just too many CPT events. Yeah. I still feel like there shouldn't be more than one or two per weekend. And I just, I, I feel like having more than that just completely defeats the purpose of promoting the game. But that's a whole nother conversation. Um, I, I, I did want to mention that the way that KVO is doing their four day tournament is that each day has like, four or five different games and they're all one day tournaments. The only one that's running on multiple days is Exerd. And that's, you know, I think Friday is the one V one tournament. And then on Saturday, they're having a team tournament. But otherwise, if you're just there for uh cross tag, you know, you go there Saturday or whichever day it is, you play it out and then you're done. You're free for the rest of the weekend. So, okay. So unless anyone else has anything else to say about that, uh, we will move on. The next topic I'm seeing here is about MK11. We won't spend too long on this. Um, basically, outside of just the gameplay itself, what people have been talking about with MK11 is the price of the in-game currency. You can, you can buy some of the in-game currency and use it to buy stuff within the game. There's like a million towers. The crypt has like 700-some chests that are RNG. And so you don't know exactly where you're going to get into them. And early complaints were that it took too long to unlock everything in the game. I'm mm -hmm. sure you've probably heard a lot about this, John. It was way too yeah. tedious. Did we talk about this on the show last week? I don't remember. Very briefly. But the game it, had just come out like of, that day, basically, right? So I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, well, basically, the the in-game economy is a little screwed up. Where as far as the towers went. You were grinding and you weren't sure exactly what you were going to get. And sometimes the um, the little like like Mortal Kombat's been famous for having like dark combat, right? Where the lights just turn off on you or some like goofy things where the controls are all reversed. That's back in this uh, in MK11. But sometimes the one, the computer just sometimes reads your inputs and makes it frustrating to the point where it's like, why am I even doing this? Again, this is all under the banner of you're not even sure like what you're like what you're going to get, what you're going to get rewarded with as far as part of the bonus at the end of the tower. But then sometimes um, with the computer reading your inputs, it would also be shooting like heat-seeking missiles at you that were unblockable. So no matter what you were doing at the moment, they arrived at your character. You might be 
you know, in the middle of a combo on your opponent, they're going to hit you and it's going to take damage and it's going to stop you from doing what you're doing. So little things like that were very frustrating and it made the modes essentially just not fun. And it, it ushered players to want to use the skip a fight to get to the end. And it, it felt as though NRS might, I mean, early accusations were along the lines of they're just trying to make a skip and use our money or our currency on the skips as opposed to anything else in the game. Beyond that, the crypt um, is like, it seems to be randomized. So some chests are, you know, 2,000 coins to open and some are 12,000. And as far as I can tell, we were talking a little bit before the show started. As far as I can tell, it's like you could get the same thing out of either one. So why would you ever spend on the 12,000? Although you probably have something of a better chance of getting higher stakes rewards and stuff. But I mean, being unclear in and of itself is, is bad on the game's economy or the perception that people are having on this. And so it hasn't been very fun to, uh, to try to grind and grow your, your, you know, your money, your in-game money or, or use it or spend it. And it's, it seems like things are a bit too expensive and a little too out there in the ether and not certain enough for you to actually want to spend your cash. NRS has jumped on this immediately. Yes. There was talks of this just because the review copies were out and the reviewers were upset about it. And that was before everybody else was playing it. They've jumped on it. And I think today um, a patch went live where they they gave like some bonuses out for all the different types of in-game currency to kind of say, I'm sorry. And essentially I've fixed things up a bit, although I don't know the particulars as to how they fixed things up yet. I think yeah. they're still we trying to fix them up. And in the meantime, they're giving like free bonuses while they well the patch that came out today they did uh according to the patch notes and we have a brief summary of them uh they did give out the the uh community gift pack which includes all the coins the souls sort of the thank you slash we're sorry gift mm -hmm. uh but uh they did adjust the uh free the reward levels for so you get more coins when you play, you you get more rewards as you go through the towers. Um, the AI in the towers has been adjusted down so that they are easy to beat. Also, health has been adjusted down for a lot of those fights. And, you know, for t on the tournament side of things, uh, there was an issue where you had to be online to access the hotfix. Yeah. Um, for those that didn't know... Um, the hotfix that came out that addressed some of the issues, uh, some of the balance things. Uh, in previous NRS games, you had to go online to touch down uh, to basically say, okay, this hotfix is good. And then you could go offline and play. In this version, or at least until this patch, if you went offline, you lost access to the hotfix. So hmm. all tournament matches had to be played on a PS4 that was connected online. And that caused uh, some serious problems. I know uh, I know Northwest Majors, they had to readjust their streaming schedule because they had to change, I believe they had to change the room that MK11 was taking place in so mm -hmm. that they could go online. It was, uh, it, it, it's good that it's fixed, at least. Or, you know, we're getting reports that it's fixed. Uh, we'll see... It, if there are any issues uh, over the next day or two. You know, and so so just to throw a quick wrench in the works here, and we don't have to spend too much time on this because I don't think it matters super a lot, but it's 2019, and when I sit down to play a game, more so a mobile game, right, which I've been playing a lot of since I've been on planes the last couple of days, but 
like I'm expecting to have to do this ridiculous grind and that's more in like the play to win. And that's very starkly, you know, like they want a stark contrast between play to win and what we're doing here on a lot of console games, because that would be, you know, it's just a, a shit show, but um, I'm, I'm kind of there and I'm like, I'm expecting to have to, to just grind. I mean, even with street fighter five over the last couple of years, the grind has been real. It's like 50 fight money per win. And then, you know, a hand we've, we've talked about that quite a bit and it's been, well, maybe not the best in-game economy in that example either. But this was an immediate reaction that there's not enough money by the community. And it seemed like NRS, without missing a beat, was like, I'm sorry, let's fix it. Well, we're sorry, let's fix this. And so far, it seems like, yeah, as it's been presented, it's been, you know, a big problem. But I wonder, like, how much investigation was there before we decided to just, like, go to community whim? And, and I'm not saying it's the wrong call. I'm just saying, man, that was fast for such a huge fix or for such a huge change. And I wonder, like, to me, it's, I, I, I didn't take any issue with it until someone else brought it up. And then I was like, oh, I guess that could be a problem. But I was ready to just grind, just expect that that be the norm. It's a really uh, weird and interesting issue because it's kind of like the opposite of what we said with Street Fighter, where they came out with so much breadth in the game. There's a story mode. There's the crypt. There's the towers. There's a good online. There's variations, and then there's custom moves that aren't even competitive for every character. There's there's like 60 skins, 20 of three different, you know, augments you can put on your character. There's like a, there's, there's more stuff than you could ever possibly think of in the game. And they're kind of having issues reeling all that in. I think what's weird to me is that these kind of seem like free-to-play game aspects and they kind of seem like free to play game problems of having, mm -hmm. you know, like how much do you pay for this? How much do you pay for that? And to their, to their defense tournament mode, like unlocks frost. None of these things matter to gameplay. You don't actually pay to win, but I do wonder, like there was people saying that it might cost up to 6,000, $7,000 in real currency by estimates to, to get all the skins. Is that something that should be in a $60 game? Like, are they making a free-to-play game and then charging for it? It's like I just kind of wonder where that's gonna go because people have. That's always... what Street Fighter Five felt like. It's like a free-to-play-ish model. Like they've grabbed a bunch of those components, but they're also slapping us with a sixty-dollar price tag plus the season passes, right? And and well, not necessarily plus because you could grind and unlock them. But yeah, it's like fighting games feel like they're in this weird place where they see how Fortnite just takes off right with their model and they go well we can't exactly copy that nor do we want to exactly copy that quite yet we still want that price tag because that's that's a hard thing when you've been doing it for 30 years to suddenly go oh we'll just release our product for free that i'm sure feels really weird to do it's a big step that i i bet people aren't really willing to take yet but it's like they're adopting these other parts that kind of go with that and they're in this weird hybrid state where not everything is quite making sense so I do not envy them having to, to basically like, you know, you, you, you drew the, con the contrast between MK11 having this rich full launch with every box checked and having issues because there's so much content versus, you know, Street Fighter and whatever and having launched that they did and kind of the opposite side. But uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's going to take some time to figure this all out. All in all, though, I'll say like if this is the biggest negative people can say about Mortal Kombat 11, it's like that's that's pretty good. It's not a bad game, especially 
considering all the launches that we've seen in recent times that haven't done so well. I mean, MK11 is in a pretty good place. Yeah, I mean, well, people have not it, said the content sucks for the most part. They've said that mm -hmm. unlocking the content sucks, which is a pretty big distinction. And I think that is a much better problem to have because, you know, they can fix that by tweaking some gears. That takes nothing for them to fix compared to Steve. Go ahead. The, I was just going to say that that was, you know, the biggest problem you ran into if you played on console. Uh, the PC oh, yeah. launch was not oh. a very smooth launch. Um, the patch that hit today supposedly creates a lot uh, or fixes a lot of the stability issues. But you saw, uh, I know, uh, excuse me, Pig in the Hut tweeted out a video where you know, he was he was in training mode and he was doing some combos. Combos would drop or inputs would drop after certain moves. And then eventually the game would crash. And there mm -hmm. were crashes just all over the place. Uh, I've been hearing, you know, initially that a lot of those things have been fixed with this patch that came out today. But once again, you know, if you're a PC player, you're kind of feeling left out and this isn't the first time that you know another realm game has had a rough launch on pc it is perhaps the fastest that some of those issues have been addressed at least but it's still you know i i feel for pc i got burned uh on mkx mkx didn't work at all right for some people like you for, literally for couldn't a very play. long time hmm. And then they finally did fix it, and it and it turned out okay. But there was a very very long time between launch and when the game got you know was working. Yeah, for, and from for what I understand, so I looked at the I saw the Switch port, and obviously the graphics are worse, which isn't what I'm going to talk about. But one thing that was notable to me is they didn't talk about the Switch port a lot, and I think for a lot of people maybe it was implied that it's not the competitive version of the game. But notably, and someone correct me if they fix this or if I'm wrong. But the last time I heard the Switch port, and I think even the PC port at one point, did not have, like, the day one hotfix. And so they were playing on a completely different balance patch of the game. And I think if some people whose goals was to, you know, have the Switch as a portable version of the game, that's kind of an important thing to, to not talk about. It's just, I, I, it really looks like they, they committed so many resources to this game with so so much breadth of content and releasing on four consoles that it, it might have been a bit more than they could chew. It, it's good, at least, that NetherRealms is so communicative with the community. So It, it I mean, feels like a little more than they can chew. And seeing NRS uh, basically build up MK11, all of the reveals, all the com combat casts, and then comparing that to a lot of these other buildups, um, there have been good and there have been bad, you know, Dragon Ball, Marvel Infinite, Street Fighter and such. Um, I felt like, man, they've, they've learned from others' mistakes, they've learned from all of the past, and they've really been knocking it out of the park. And it's clear that they have the resources to cover all of these issues. But this is an emerging and an evolving practice, right? And, and making a fighting game is, in 2019 is different than making a fighting game in even like 2015 or so, right? And so uh, I, I think that this problem with these like initial, you know, not working on PC and such, this is just growing pains as we enter a new era sort of. And and it's like even someone uh, as big as NRS is going to have issue with this 
I know, I guess there are examples where people haven't had issue like this, but I don't think anyone's just had a clean slate across the board of no issues on launch, you know, whether it be online or build up to launch or the economy or whatever. But I think that it, it, it's it's good that they're taking care of things as fast as they can, that they're communicating and telling us that they're taking care of these things. And I think in a few years, these kinds of issues are, well, I mean, they won't be a problem anymore. They will be replaced with other issues from that chapter of wherever we're at. But I kind of expect this kind of thing. And uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to go in too hard just because everything else has been so damn good. And I'm like, how how big of a safety net can you create right now to catch all of these different errors? Yeah, certainly. I mean, they, they've been extremely responsive. Obviously, the combat cast was kind of on a level of something we haven't seen from a really large major fighting game company yet. We saw Iron Galaxy doing stuff like that for KI, which mm-hmm. is a major game, but I, I'm not quite on the level of MKX. So, I mean, or MKXL or MK11. So, mm-hmm. they, they've gone out of their way for that. And, and one thing that I think is exciting about MK11 so far is that I think the first major tournament for it being Combo Breaker, like, you know, just a month after it comes out, is near perfect timing. So far, everyone is, like, really enjoying the gameplay. You've seen a couple small tournaments, but no one's really going to anything huge until Combo Breaker. And I think Combo Breaker into, like, CEO into Evo is going to be an extremely hype circuit for the game that can really be the difference between whether it's, you know quote-unquote another NRS game or whether it really breaks into being an absolutely huge thing it could ascend right and so I think more so when you when you take a step back and look at the big picture like you just did this time right here is basically like does it pass the mark of getting in people's good graces enough so that when people bring up Mortal Kombat 11 they're not just talking about some egregious error you know they're not just talking about Chun-Li's face or something like that if they can if people are just like yeah well there was this thing but ultimately like let's talk about combos or let's talk about this thing or that, that that's a good that's a positive leading into that circuit I mean, given that that goes well, too, there's some really good things on the horizon for this game. So right now, it just needs to stay above that line of it has just a general negative connotation when people bring it up. And I think so far, we're okay. And speaking of negative connotations, we should probably mention uh, a few people who have worked with NRS in the past over the last week have come out with accusations that uh, the studio pushed uh, had heavy crunch uh expected crunch on a lot of their uh, workers. Oh, trying to meet deadlines? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Some people were saying that they had to work 80 to 100 hours a week at certain points. Um, So, uh, unfortunately, it is not the first time we've heard accusations like this. It is the first time we've heard them leveled at NetherRealm, but it probably won't be the last time either. Um, This is something that uh, it, 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 I, I, I hate saying it's part of the industry right now, but it's part of the industry as it is. And it's one of those uncomfortable things that we have to, how, how, how do we as consumers yeah. address that? It makes me feel a little bad when I'm sitting here complaining about not getting, you know, to play dress up with Garrus. And every time a thousand people complain about that, some dude has to work, you know, a 90 hour week and not go home. So, I mean, definitely keep that in mind. Um, I think a lot, yeah, those, those were former NRS employees, as you mentioned, but I'm not sure how much that's changed, and I'm not sure have NRS has made a statement about it yet. Um, I, 
uh, I have not seen any uh, statement from them. Uh, they did not. They did not issue a statement to PC Gamer, who reported on a lot of the accusations. If I can add one point to this too, um, yes. this is be, this is getting talked about more and more, and not just in the gaming industry, but you know, in tech and in uh, entertainment, everything. Uh, like, there's more and more discussion happening over the big crunch that people go through. Um, the bad, the thing that is terrible about crunch is if you're a salaried employee, you're not getting anything. Uh, you're right. just basically working. So if you're a contracted employee being paid hourly, then it's a little bit better for you, quote, unquote. Um, and I say that almost sarcastically. Uh, but the fact that it's being talked about more by people, not just in the gaming industry, again, but in the entertainment industry and in the tech industry, means that something is going to change. And uh, at least I have faith that, you know, it may not be as big of a problem as it is now in the future. Now, when that, is, when that is, I don't know. But the fact that discussions are starting to happen means that something's going to give eventually. Well, speaking of horrible consistencies in esports and in video games, um, apparently, as of last week, Rick Fox is leaving Echo Fox over a racist interaction with an investor at Echo Fox. And that is, unfortunately, as well, something that we have seen issues with in esports, maybe not that specifically, but with racism and with racism at, at higher levels of of esports. Um, I mean, why? It's like it, it's hard to really open up the conversation with that because it's so it's so broad and so general. But I don't know if either of you have anything to say about it specifically. Steve, why is everybody looking at me? Because I don't have anything to say. <sighs> oh look, it, you know, I wish. Like I was saying in the Facebook chat, I really wish I was shocked by this. I really wish this came as a surprise. But the fact of the matter is, uh, the, you can't legislate away this this type of thinking, this type of stupidity. Uh, the problem isn't that these people still exist, which is a pro it's a problem, but it's not the problem. Mm -hmm. The problem is that these people continue to have they continue to have influence. They continue to have power. And you can't just say, okay, you don't have it anymore. Which, I, I, I don't know. It, it, it's very frustrating to see in 2019 that we still have to deal with this sort of crap. Um, it And it's frustrating, you know. I, I, obviously, I don't know the internal dealings of Echo Fox. So I don't know uh, all of the background between... Uh, Rick Fox and Jace Hall and the, who, who was who was on the receiving end of of the slur and this investor who has not been named, um, but you know it, it it's just very very frustrating from the outside looking in that when you have a situation like this it's Rick Fox who has to walk away and this yeah. person could still be involved with Echo Fox. They have asked the investor to divest, but it's unclear whether they have the power to force them to do so or not. Now, um, so I saw the headline of this. I saw that it was generally going around, but I did my damnedest to not get into much FGC news over the weekend. And this is one of the stories that I haven't gone back and, and really investigated. So I'm kind of on the outside for the most part here. Um, so, and I imagine a handful of people aren't fully aware of, of how this all went down. 
So if maybe we could, you know, give like the the play by play of like the what exactly happened, because my understanding thus far is that Echo Fox has a one of many shareholders and it must be someone that's fairly high up on the ladder, you know, gives a lot or something like that is significant as an individual um, that used a racist slur against Jace Hall. And so um, uh, and then Rick Fox, as a result, says, I'm out of here because I'm not you know, dealing with someone or I'm not going to be in business with someone that's that's this way. Uh, that is a part of it. Now, in now to provide a little bit of background of this, uh, Echo Fox has not been in the best financial shape. Uh, so there are a lot of people mad at Jace for how things have been going there. Um, there has been there's multiple inter or multiple instances where this particular shareholder used the slur towards Jace, um, okay. and there was. Uh, this was reported first by uh, uh, Richard Lewis at Dexero, and he one of his sources. If you could pull up the Echo Fox source uh, graphic, uh, one of them told Rick or told uh, Richard that quote: "Most shareholders have tried to ignore this in the hope that it goes away, and this has forced Rick's hand to leave." He obviously isn't going to stand for that and was hoping the matter would be addressed on a shareholder level rather than just swept under the carpet. So multiple people were aware of this and they and, you know, instead of saying, hey, this needs to stop, they they kind of, you know, ducked their head in the sand and hoped it all just would just go away, which from, again, my personal perspective is just really, really disappointing. Yeah, and one of the more sure. interesting developments to come out of that is that, I mean, obviously outside of the big picture of how horrible all that is, is how does this affect the FGC? I mean, they've been at one point were the biggest sponsor as far as notoriety in the FGC, and they're still one of them. And we saw Sonic Fox respond directly before he even really knew much and say, wow, that's awesome. Go Rick Fox, which is, you know, kind of a cool and interesting response from someone sponsored by that team to say about their own, you know, team negatively. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how this affects the FGC. We still have Sonic. We still have to kill Sage. And I believe a few Dude. smash players. Knuckle do. And yeah, a few smash players on the Echo Fox roster. So it's going to be interesting to see how this affects that for sure. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the roster is very clearly dwindled from what it was. Um, I mean, is there any, uh, like, like, do we see uh, what this is going to potentially lead to as far as it affects the FGC? Or, I mean, because Echo Fox is still there, right? But but was Rick Fox, like, the head of things when it came to the fighting game community? Or did he play some significant role that that's going to change stuff now? Or are we just playing the wait-and-see game? As of right now, it's, it's sort of the wait-and-see thing. He wasn't, you know, he, he was sort of involved in everything. But he wasn't necessarily the shot caller when it came to FGC stuff. Mm -hmm. um, well, we've we've already seen, like you said, the the size of the roster drop, uh, the number of players drop, especially you know, you, you know, I, I, I mentioned this. Um, they dropped JDCR and Saint when they were, when there was only one tournament left in the season, yeah, and weird. they were getting. And and their trips to that tournament were paid for by the Tekken World Tour. So 
it, there there wasn't really any need to drop them right then, but they just wanted to cut cut their losses at that point. But I, we don't know if this shareholder is going to stay. Like I said, um, they have asked uh, the the shareholder to divest to sell their shares, um, and it's unclear whether or not they have uh, any mechanisms in place to force a sale uh, by that shareholder. Some some situations there is, some situations there there isn't. Well, man, um, with all the negative publicity right now, it might not be a terrible idea to share. I mean, to to sell your shares, right? Because I mean, I don't know. It's this is this is getting convoluted, man. Well, but who who is the shareholder? You yeah. don't know. So, I mean, if the company's getting bad press, but this particular person isn't, so there's not really a whole lot of pressure coming that way. Um, as for the players, you know. There's going to be that question of, is Echo Fox going to get hurt from this? Um, which I really don't think it's going to be as impactful as it probably should be. Um, or as at least as some people think it will be. Uh, and then there's the issues of individual people. You know, is a Sonic Fox going to want to continue to work uh, with Echo Fox after a situation like this is the kill stage going to do that you know with how how close he is to sonic fox are any of these players going to want to be part of that and that's going to be an individual decision that they're going to have to make because if echo fox came in they were the first big one of the few big names that were throwing big contracts around so mm -hmm. there's a big financial aspect to this too if you're a player Sure, yeah. but if you're, I mean, Sonic Fox is a special case because if he gets, you know, if he quits, he's picked up tomorrow or like 20 minutes ago, right? By someone else that's just as big yeah. and can offer him just as much, right? But I mean, then, then there are others that don't have that luxury. But man, it's interesting because first you go, well, uh, you know, as in, ter in terms of the racist stockholder who we don't know who exactly it is, it's like, <laughs> well, do you attack, or I'm shareholder, sorry. Do you attack like, you know, do you burn down the entire building to get the one person? And what that would look like is like, do we boycott Echo Fox or something like that? Do we, you know, do we come out with pitchforks on social media or whatever, you know, and, and, and attack the company because there's that one person in there that they can't get rid of. Right. And then there's the other, you know, side of this where, well, if you are the players like Sonic Fox, does that just if you have that person still in? then does that just disintegrate your entire entity because they're around and because you're going to leave or because people are going to walk? I mean, it, this is this is crazy, but it's it's weird to have basically this this one racist bad guy shareholder kind of just like ducking inside. And he's like he's under the protection because he hasn't done anything wrong in terms of like where you can actually legally go in and, and, and do something. He's just a, a total dick. Right. But like there's nothing on paper that that you can get him for. And so it's like. It's just in the stronghold. It's it's very it's foreign to me. This is weird, and I have no idea how it's going to play out. Yeah, we've still yet to see how it's going to turn out for the FGC. Um, hopefully, players are able to still be paid, or at least able to find somewhere else to to land on their feet. If this ends up being that big of a deal, uh, moving on to a few lighter topics. Uh, a few a few new things got announced. We saw for Dragon Ball Fighter Z the Kid Goku trailer came out um in typical dragon ball fighter z fashion three seconds oh wait there we go okay so three seconds of gameplay let's count we got one, one two, two three okay we'll still call this gameplay four i think that's it i think that's all that oh 
five, six. You and then the a... cinematic. Okay, this is cinematic. And that's it. Okay, so that's that was it. Wrote. So it was a very short trailer. Um, we didn't learn anything about Goku. We know that we're getting Gogeta and Brawly as well at some point, and we don't know who that fourth character is. And still, they're not the worst at revealing characters. That's true. They're not. They still do consistently actually reveal the characters, which is a step ahead of Capcom. I wasn't going to name any names. I was just going to say they're not the worst. But, uh, I mean, what do you guys think about GT Goku? Well, I mean, the Goku meme was, was real when the game released. We started off with Goku Blue, Goku Pink, and Goku Yellow. And, and since then, we've also gotten Goku black, like Goku with black hair. We now have Kid Goku. There's all the other Gokus. Is next like baby Goku? Is it Grandpa Goku? Like I'm not sure where they're going next. This game has been an interesting point in the FGC, right, where we saw it come out as the most popular game. It was the most entered game at EVO. It was the game people cared about watching. We had a top Mortal Kombat player facing off versus a top MK player, and, and people were watching it higher than they were watching Street Fighter. And we're at the point where it's become somewhat of a niche game in, in the tournament scene. But they're I still think, releasing content at the same pace they were before. Is there a disconnect? Like, what's what's the deal with that? I think part of the disconnect is that, you know, at least for the Goku thing, uh, between the Japanese market and the american market american market you know we're making the we're making uh the too many goku's memes um which that song is going to be stuck in my head now uh but in japan you know you look at other games like all the naruto games all the drag all the budokai games um you expect that market expects to see every version of goku every version of Vegeta in, in those games. So it's like, yeah, <laughs> not enough Gokus. It yeah, takes I... a lot to make a stew. <laughs> uh, what a great man. Yeah. Uh, I think that as far as the too many Gokus things goes, <laughs> uh, people, I mean, if, if it is just indeed like um, Americans or the West that has the main issue with this, whomever it is, like, I think that it's more that we like to make memes and complain than we actually are upset at the idea that there are too many Gokus. People that play this game, most of them watched the anime for at least some season in their life. They know the significance between and the power levels between the different versions that it took this version of Goku to defeat that and, and that they have this many moves. And so it's like they're different enough, even though they're technically the same character, I think that um, they they kind of passed that test. Now, is the FGC ever going to pass up an opportunity to complain about something or to make memes? No, and I'm I'm happy to to do that myself. Like I, I it's fun to say, it's oh time. man, another Goku, and and look and see what people come up with and and make fun of it. But at the end of the day, I don't think it's going to stop people from buying the game. It's not like it's only Goku's, and like there are a ton of characters that they've missed that should be in place instead of those Goku's. Like I mean, you can you can start to make arguments there, but I don't I haven't heard any really you know, lasting arguments, uh, in that, you know, in that vein. So I really don't think the Goku thing is truly an issue. Now, I think it's just that we like to, to complain about stuff and it's fun and, and it's fine. Yeah. I mean, it's been kind of the same story in Mortal Kombat. I, you can't click on a Mortal Kombat Twitter or Ed Boon tweet without seeing like some masterfully crafted picture of Molina with like yeah, a rain. story about how that's been their favorite character since they were like in the womb. 
and absolutely required for MK11 DLC, or they will never buy an NRS game again. Yeah. Um, Another news, Arcana Heart 3, Love Max, six stars, Extend has been announced. Um, I remember Arcana Heart 3 coming out many years ago, followed by Love Max, followed by six stars, and we are now on Extend. Um, That's quite the box art. That is, uh, of all the box arts I have ever seen, Wow, that is one of them. She reminds me of a Zora <laughs> from like I from cannot unsee Ocarina that. of Time, right? No, right. She makes like, me think I'm going to jail. <laughs> if you're oh. if you're playing Arcana Heart, that you you've probably faced that issue a long, long time ago. Well, the legal age for Zoras is a lot younger, so you're fine. So um, I see on the here views golden... expressed by uh, Velociraptor are not necessarily those of the of uh, Best of Five or any of its subsidiaries. I think uh, we also see in here Golden Week sales. Not exactly sure what that was in reference to, but I think you know, Steve. Yeah, uh, it is Golden Week in Japan, uh, which is a holiday. Uh, it's it, it's extra long this year because they're getting a new emperor uh, who just took the throne, I believe, today. It's either today or tomorrow. Uh, so Golden Week is 10 days long this week. It's, it's Golden Week and a half. Uh, and... We have sales in honor of Golden Week on a lot of Japanese games on both PlayStation 4 and Steam. Uh, Are we looking at PS4 first? Yes, we are. Um, So, yeah, if you these sales go through next Tuesday, Uh, if you have PlayStation Plus, you got some real, real good deals. Uh, Guilty Gear Rev 2, 12 bucks. Uh, Marvel Infinite. Uh, 16 uh, Mar- UMVC 3 for 10 Unist for 15 that's bucks, gotta be the cheapest have- Evo game that I can think of ever one of yeah them. and yeah, I don't know if you follow my Twitter you saw I actually purchased it that was what got me to finally make the jump so I haven't had a chance to play it yet because I'm working on a big project uh, with a due date that is very soon uh, but very soon, I will actually jump into that. I don't know if I'll stream anything from that or not, but yeah. Uh, so I'll be playing Unist finally. So hey, Steve, uh, Steve, are you in crunch time right now? On your I I am in self-imposed crunch right now, so I can't really sue myself. Uh, but uh, those of you on PC, you are not left out. Uh, Steam is also having a Golden Week sale. Uh, this one ends uh, next Monday, and you've got uh, you've got some good deals there. Exert with the Rev Two upgrade is less than fifteen. Uh, Marvel Infinite is fourteen dollars. Melty Blood is five bucks. Skullgirls with the second Encore update, you have to buy those separately, but it's less than seven fifty. Soul Calibur five or Soul Calibur six, excuse me, uh, just around twenty bucks. Tekken 20 bucks. Uh, Street Fighter AE 20 bucks. You've got some good, good games out there for cheap. So if you're looking to add to your library, now is not even not a bad time to do it. And most of those games have been pretty good on Steam. I mean, I played most of the Tekken 7 and most of the Street Fighter I played on Steam, and those ports seem to work just fine. So I would suggest getting whichever console for most of these games you can prefer. 
and 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 this is not a, a complete list by any means. I saw someone in the in chat mention that Cross Tekken is six bucks. Um, that's expensive. That's hey, it, it's three bucks for Street Fighter and three bucks for Tekken. You get the cross for free. I don't see how that's a bad deal. So um, we're trying a new segment this week, unfortunately without Efren here, but it is going to be called the Best of Five Mailbag, which is the opportunity for y'all to ask us questions that you already could have asked in chat, but now on Twitter. And we will go as, as far as we can out of our way to answer them on the show. Um, you can ask anything <laughs> you want. It can be gameplay related. It can be personal, personal live related, as apparently many of the questions were. It can be Efren asking 10 questions to try to get other people to ask questions. There's, there's tons of options out there, and, and we have picked a few for you this week in our inaugural segment of BOV Mailbag. BOV Mailbag. I'm working on the theme. You got to sing that every freaking time now. All right. Oh, so Richard N. at Richard Whenever asked, how did you and Efren meet? I assume this is targeted at me, but we can all yes. answer this to some degree. I met Efren probably at Arcade UFO in, in something around 2011 or 2012. Efren used to come into Arcade UFO with his camera and just film random things for like the Statesman and a newspaper in Austin or various other things and play Street Fighter. He played T-Hawk. And it, it was kind of a slow burn from there. And, and the time we really got to know each other was at a tournament in San Antonio. It was a curly mustache invitational by Yipes that he hosted in San Antonio where Efren was shooting a, a bigger piece about, about the tournament as a whole. And I somehow ended up kind of being the main character of that. So, so from there we talked and then I was the guy he asked when he worked at Dot Esports to, to host a show and that's where things have been. How about y'all? Well, um, my story is kind of similar. I was doing uh, random posts on on RCAP and R Street Fighter breaking down the CPT race, and I got this message uh, from from a guy that said, "Hey, do you want to? You know, I like your writing. Have you ever thought of doing it professionally?" And it turned out to be Efren. He had just started at uh, Daily Dot, and he was trying to build up the esports side, especially the fighting game side of things. So he got me an interview uh, with Kevin Morris, who was the editor, and uh, went to bat for me, and I got to write. And then a little bit later, he asked me to come on the show because a guest backed out, and he needed someone to help fill time. And I did that, and yeah, that's it's his fault that you have to deal with this every week. John Boy. Um it was a pretty dark time in my life, and uh, I was uh, kind of drifting through Texas, and I found myself at a, uh, like this, we'll just say it was a movie theater, because it was, and um, I was in the restroom, and I remember uh, washing my hands, and I reached up to, they had like the old school hands-on paper towel dispensers, and uh, as I reached up to grab, someone else was in there with me, and I tried not to make eye contact. Um, but uh, his hand went over my hand at the same time and uh, I looked over at him and uh, it was this like, I don't know, this beautiful man, right? And it was, it was, um, it was Efren. 
and uh, we didn't say anything for like 30 seconds, and it was weird, and we're like, nothing needed to be said, though, and um, and then he was like, hey, do you write about video games? And I said, uh, yeah, yeah, that's me, and he's like, oh, um, you should come join the show that I'm doing, and uh, and then here we are. I heard he also asked to call it Best of V for Velociraptor, but you, you said you didn't want all the fame. Yeah, no, I, well... <laughs> Well, cat's out of the bag now, but yeah, I mean, I, that that might have been. All right. Uh, so, yes, as you can tell, Efren, Efren assembled a ragtag crew in order to create this show. And it was originally about, like, the five people we could get to watch it, and it's turned into the 200 to 300 people we can get to watch it. So yeah, thank you, everyone, That's... for being here. Also, thank you to uh, Magnegro for subscribing. We forgot to mention that oh, earlier. Yes. Um, Do we next have more? one. Was that the only one? No, we got a few more. Uh, Jay asks, Hey, Donka, are you single? Open eyes <laughs> emoji. Well, I'm the only one on the desk right now. <laughs> <laughs> but no, in reality, no, I'm not. So there you go. Okay. Cat's out of the uh, bag there. Congratulations. Uh, some guy named Efren writes, Have you seen the trailer for Sonic? Grab or grab? You know, I was actually going to audible and make this the block or grab, but I guess we can do that already. Are we going to do a mid, a midsection block or grab? Okay, let's do it. Block grab, block. not block crab. crab. All right, so of course we're blocking or grabbing on Efren in his new role in the Sonic movie. Um, this trailer, and obviously this is fighting game related. Sonic's in Smash. Smash isn't a fighting game, but it's at tournaments with fighting games. So I think that's close enough for us to talk about this. This trailer, and I'm going to go first because I, I have a lot to say about this. This trailer threw me for a fucking loop, man. I was ready to be like, this is going to be the worst movie of all time. And not in that funny of a way, but in like, a, that's a really horrifying render of Sonic way. And then Jim Carrey showed up as Dr. Eggman, and then Gangsta's Paradise played. And I completely lost my shit. This is my most anticipated movie of the 2000s so far. Um, Sonic still looks horrible, but I feel like the movie can come together, and people who have no interest in Sonic, no interest in video games at all, were saying, like, wow, this is the first time Jim Carrey's looked like he cared about a movie since Ace Ventura. Uh -huh. and, and I felt the same way. So I'm really excited, and I'm completely not kidding. I'm grabbing. You know, you're you're right though. I haven't, you know, articulated it. I've, I I saw the trailer this morning and haven't really thought about it again since. But you're right. Like I Jim Carrey has, <laughs> Jim Carrey has. Like yeah, it was floating around. Like hey, we should do an FGC reacts to the Sonic thing story, and I was like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> uh, but he has like a life in him when, I mean, just from this, this trailer that we've seen thus far that you're right. He doesn't have, uh, or he hasn't had, he's just been on this like weird artistic kick where, uh, you'll see him more often on like red carpet interviews sporadically. And he'll say something that doesn't make sense. Like none of us actually exist. We're all just tadpoles. And he'll look at the camera and then he'll walk away and everyone goes, that was so deep, Jim Carrey's so deep. But it's like, what? I don't, anyways, it's not that Jim Carrey, uh, apparently, from this, and which is, which is nice. And it seems like it's the kind of role where 
he can like like the mask or like you know ace ventura where he can just be jim carrey and be goofy and try to kind of stick to the script but also do all this random improv stuff and have fun that part of it i'm definitely looking forward to outside of that like i don't care about the sonic movie i feel like they're probably making this because they're going well we've we've done all the superhero movies 30 times let's take a 20 minute break from that and do something else what else do people like oh they'll probably give us money for sonic okay here we go um i don't care it's not very high stakes for me he does look crappy and and we've had like a million people come out and and make their own renders of him that look infinitely better it's crazy how much better they look it's like what the hell happened I don't know. Maybe there's some kind of red tape with legal issues, and if they make him look nothing like Sonic, they don't have to pay as much money. I don't know. I don't care either. This is like a flavor of the like day kind of a thing, and no one's going to remember it in two weeks or two weeks after the movie comes out and probably bombs. But Jim Carrey is intriguing to me, and this it, like this version of him we haven't seen in so long. So I might watch it just to see how he does, but I'll probably just listen to what other people say and then go see it if they're like, see Jim Carrey was amazing. Oh, so block, because who cares? Here's the thing. I have a soft spot in my heart for Gangsta's Paradise. That song is very special to me. So even though it has absolutely no place in a trailer like this, I can't hate that. Jim Carrey is going to be to this movie what Raul Julia was to the Street Fighter movie <laughs> in that everything else is going to be trash but he is going to John be Clark so Van good. Dan was awesome. The, the, uh, uh, here's the thing. I love the, the Street rest... Fighter movie. Sorry. So I'm going to go ahead. Hey, hey, we all make bad choices. But every everything in this movie looks decent to okay except for one thing. <laughs> The one main thing that is the whole point of this movie. I don't understand why they were so obsessed with making Sonic look like an actual character that could exist in our ecosystem. Like, he is a fucking hedgehog that is upright, speaks English, and breaks the sound barrier. He acts like a video game, so it's not the worst thing in the world if he looks like he does in a video game. I think it's got to be a copyright thing or something. I think that might be right. Like There is absolutely no sense. There's no copyright that that says, okay, you can make a Sonic movie. It just can't look like Sonic. No, man. This looks like – you know what? This looks like one of those adult film parodies versions. I feel like as a lawyer, I could defend this not being Sonic. Like pretty easily. <laughs> yeah, probably. I, that's not him. Like you defense rests. Yourself, I just hold up a picture of Sonic. You could put yourself, Ultra David, and the other video game lawyers uh, in a super team of legal power, and, and I don't Phoenix think you Wright. can make that cat. And well, Phoenix Wright can make anything happen, but in the end, I am going to grab Jim Carrey and hang on for dear life because I'm blocking everything else. I I do have to say, with as much as Gangster's Paradise has come up this morning when it started with that and before there were any lyrics that came out, uh, the first place that my brain goes when I hear that is Amish Paradise, the uh, the original (laughs) song that, you know, Coolio later parodied to make Gangster's Paradise off of. But uh, I was really hoping it was going to be Amish Paradise. I was disappointed when it wasn't. 
You know, Coolio was actually mad about that song. He was the only one that, well, not the only one that's been pissed, but yeah, yeah, I know. I, I know my Weird Al lore. Yeah, because <laughs> he, he, Weird Al asked the studio if Coolio said it was okay. Studio said yes. Coolio did not say yes. And usually he only does it with, uh, with the artist's permission. So, but mm-hmm. it, it, uh, anyway. If you're in so, Austin, Texas, November 11th or whenever this comes out, you can come watch this with me. That's a promise. I'm seeing it in theaters. Yo, do I get a blocker grab on this? Yes, please go ahead. Okay, so this one goes out to Steve. Been spending most of my life playing Sonic on the Mega Drive. Then I saw this trailer and cried because this movie's going to be a waste of time. Block. That was a two out of ten. I'm sorry. If you if you fly to Austin to watch this movie, I will pay for your ticket. How about that? I will pay for your ticket to the movie. Wow. Not oh, not to like, Austin. I, I will pay for your ticket to the movie. So that, how about that? That deal sounded in, went from sounding incredible to sounding yeah, in like five seconds flat. Okay, we've got two more questions here for the mailbag. Uh, this one's for me. Will we ever get Roxena thrice in a lifetime? I hope not. Um, I, I could talk for a while on this, but I won't. My, I, I would be fine with it if they didn't make it the star of the show, but of course it's going to be the star of the show. I don't know how many events Cena has left or how many WrestleManias Cena has left. I don't know if Rock would even want to do it. So I don't think we'll get it. I hope we don't get it, but never say never. Um, and our last question from Dr. Swagenheimer. If you could Frankenstein a modern fighting game, what would it look like? The only rule is it has to be games created within the last four years. So we're talking art style, combo system, neutral, online, single player content. Oh, all right. Leave this up so that I can see it and, and figure this out. And also not it for going first. Oh, man. So... For me, I'll talk about just a couple general things. It's hard for me. I had to think about what's the last four years. My favorite games, gameplay-wise, are generally King of Fighters. I like the pace of King of Fighters. I like having three different characters that don't interact with each other. I like how varied that makes it, and I like how, how fast the game is in general. To me, it epitomizes a fighting game in that the two characters fight each other instead of fighting, running around the screen, and shooting fireballs at each other. I prefer that. Um, single player modes, I think Unist buying the, buying the thing, it's not the single player modes. Most people think about it. It's not like a story mode or anything like that, but the, the tutorials and the combo guides and the things in that game are so superb and so close to like actually learning how to play a fighting game at a high level that I think having those in a King of Fighters game with an art style that wasn't garbage, um, we'll say just like basically any Arxis game. Or or Mortal Kombat, eh, okay. We'll call an Arxis game. That would be for me. That'd be what I wanted. All right, I would go with the art style of Dragon Ball Fighters because that is a freaking love. Oh, and a good online. Sorry, I'm gonna interrupt you. Please give it Nether Realms online. This like MK is such a joy to play online that mm-hmm. like even even though and I will admittedly say it has never been my favorite type of fighting game. It is more fun to play online than any of my favorite fighting games in history have ever been, just because it works so much better. All right, go ahead. Which would you put put that over uh, Infinite? What, what do you mean? Uh, Infinite's netcode. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay. 
Um, then I'll stick with that uh, for, for Netcode. Art style, DBFC, because, like I said, that's a love letter to that universe. Uh, visual style, I would have to go with Tekken. And I don't mean that in terms of art style. I mean that in terms of what it looks like for a spectator. Because I feel like that is something that they n- absolutely nailed. Just it, it, it is so fun to watch Tekken. Um, even if you don't understand what's going on. Um, single player content, I would I would pull from uh, the Smash series, Smash Ultimate. Because, you know, there's just so much to do, so much so many different ways to pursue content there. Um, and then play style, I would have to go. Uh, I'm, I'm not entirely sure on what play style I, I want to go with. Uh, I'm thinking it's Rev 2 within four years. We'll call it. We'll say that's fair. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll go with Rev 2 for now, but I, I reserve the right to change my mind. I don't know, man. Um, I think that Mortal Kombat looks the best, uh, but that's not necessarily... That, that, I mean, you might not want a Street Fighter that looks like Mortal Kombat, for instance, right? Like, sometimes you want some of these games to be a little more cartoonish in their in their appearance. So, But, I mean, I, I don't know. I'd have to figure out all of these <laughs> possible combinations and then compare them. So, off the top of my head, I think MK looks the best, although Fighters was definitely um, uh, up there in, as I was thinking about that. So, MK's art style, uh, MK11, I should say. Uh, as far as, like, whatever whatever category length of round and such goes into, I want Street Fighter's length of round. So, if that means gameplay, like, there are some problems with Street Fighter's gameplay, but... Like, a, a lot of games just take too damn long or they're chaotically fast and stuff. I think Street Fighter has a good uh, uh, whatever that is, you know. So um, Street Fighter for that. Uh, online, easily Mortal Kombat. It's been, like, I, I, I've i never, I've seen, like, lag twice in all of my matches online for that so far. Uh, what's the other, what are the other categories on this? Just whatever Single you Single player content. Single player? Oh, uh, it's got to be early Street Fighter V for that one. Um, <laughs> early no. Street Fighter V, yeah, perfect. You know, I, gosh, I haven't played all of these two like enough to, to tell you because I usually don't do much in the way of Street or in single player. But I've played NRS games or Midway games even over the years, and they always have something interesting to offer. I've had fun running through the crypt and just you know spearing dead bodies and crushing stuff and whatever spoilers there are dead bodies in the crypt um so <laughs> I, I mean i'll go with that off the top of my head for lack of a better thing because i mean nrs always does something fun even if they're not hitting the nail on the head every time they'll have goofy you know mortal kombat go-karts but they'll also have some interesting single player stuff and and whatnot so i'll give it to, to them so i guess i i like mortal kombat games is what i'm figuring out about myself right now you got one <laughs> so that's sort of my answer yeah i do have one so i want Fight of the Gods, but with okay. a Guilty Gear Rev 2 art style. Okay. I'm sold already. <laughs> Holy shit. And the KI Steam Edition uh, combo system with uh, Mortal Kombat 11 single-player content. If Moses came out in, like, Guilty Gear style, like, with Maze Whale, and then split the Red Sea, yeah, that's I'd probably pay, like, $1,000. Same. For that game, same. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to re re grab on that one. 
Yeah, fight, and, and fight of the gods, the Arxis edition for you. It is seven thirty, so unfortunately, I don't think we have time for our question of the day. Y'all didn't like it anyway. Um, we talked about Smash and what our favorite Smash custom stages were. You can check that out on Twitter. Uh, look at our Twitter and see what people responded with as their favorite custom stages. Um, the answer is the one where Mario poops you out. That's I really like that one. I like. Uh, there's a lot of good ones, man. It's a it's a pretty creative bunch. Steve was talking about his favorite before the show, which we cannot discuss on the show. That being said, is is Ultra Chen going on tonight? Uh, yes. Okay, uh, well, then you guys there. should head over there as soon as possible because that usually starts right about now. 